Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. Another episode of my my favorites. I don't know, should I call it? I should call this, these are a few of my favorite things. Specifically now, I am working really hard to learn something, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to take my favorite learning techniques and apply them and see how much faster I can learn this thing that I'm trying to learn than I have been able to learn in the past. And so far, so good. But in this episode, I describe some of my favorite learning techniques. I'd like to do uh, my favorite books, my favorite movies. Perhaps next week, I'll do that and what I learned from each thing. Until then, enjoy this. Let me know if you enjoyed it. Uh, Let me know on Twitter or it's always helpful to me if you can review the podcast. I really love it. It bumps me up on Apple rankings, which helps me get more listeners. Enjoy and see you soon. I'm avoiding chess now. I'm avoiding playing chess. I'm going to study chess, but I'm going to avoid playing for the next few days. Because I yesterday it was crazy, but I, I, I just went straight up more or less and uh, got the level I wanted to get. Well, the thing is, like, how do you know what level you want to get? Well, I knew, I know there's a ranking system, and I knew I wanted to get to a certain rating, and I'm not done yet. I just wanted to get to that one as a beginning point. Right, 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 right. That's going to be your new strength. Yeah, that's like the new baseline. Yeah. Well, I felt like every time you play, your baseline should go up at least one percent, right? A li- yeah, I think so. If I'm really studying, like you gotta, you got, you gotta review your games rather than just play mindlessly. Right, right, so right. You see what you're doing wrong, so you don't do it again. Otherwise, I do the same things wrong again and again. But the thing is, one thing about reviewing, I felt like it's hard for me to review any game that I play because of my ego. Like I just don't want to see my mistakes again. Yeah, but ego is the enemy of progress, right? Because one thing I realized, it's important to kind of, when you're learning in particular, or when you're depressed, potentially, it's important to keep your mindset in mind, so to speak. Like, for instance, Carol Dweck wrote this book, Mindset, and she describes that there's two, and she's talking about kids learning, but this applies to adults too. There's two types of mindsets, fixed mindset and growth mindset. And we've spoken a little about this with, with Angela, but a fixed mindset is when you think I'm really smart, so I should do good on this test, or I'm really smart, so I should make a lot of money. And growth mindset is when you think to yourself, I did great on that test because I worked hard. I did poorly on that test because I didn't study this particular thing as hard as I could have. Next time I know I'll I'll say it hard. And so a fixed mindset is considered to be not so good because if you always think you're really smart and then you start to lose or, or, or you meet people who are better than you for some reason, you think, oh, well, that's it. It's over for me. I reached, you know, I'm, I'm at my highest point and I can't do any better. You have a fixed mindset. And usually it's good for kids when they're young in some sense, because then they have a lot of confidence and they think they're smart and everything, but it's actually really bad. Uh, you should always think if I didn't do good, what should I learn? How can I work harder? Don't tell kids, oh, you're the best or you're really smart. You tell kids, hey, that's so great. You got that. Hey, you were, I saw you working so hard on that. You worked so hard on that. And so they know they can link their effort and the way they study 
to their success rather than just this fixed thing like oh i have an iq of 180 or whatever so and i and i think recently my disappointment in learning things and this has always happened to me i think this is kind of explains why i went broke is that when i was a kid everyone said oh you're james you're so smart i had i still had that einstein look even as an eight-year-old and uh people were like oh he must be smart he must be the smartest so every time i have i stumble i completely i don't just stumble i crash like like in, when i just failed the test in grad school i just completely lost interest in grad school and and on comedy sometimes when i have a bad set you know which is rare but on comedy sometimes uh, if I have a bad set, I think that's it. I'm going to quit. This is not fun. For many years, I quit being an entrepreneur because I thought, oh, this is this is not for me. I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And even chess, I hate losing a game because rather than saying to myself, oh, this might be an opportunity to learn, I just think, how could this be? Like, I suck. I thought I was great and so on. Well, so with, I'm really curious, right? So like you, you were saying that like when you were younger, people said you're very smart. Is it because of your look or is it you are really that smart? I'm just curious. I, I, I think it was large part because <laughs> of my look. And because I don't know, I never, you know, and I think that, that I think I was okay smart. I'm not like the smartest person that, I, that I've known. I went to this um, summer program when I was in summer before seventh, eighth, ninth grade right. uh, at Duke University, where it was for little kids who did well in the SATs. And so I went to that and there was like 40 or 50 kids at this campus at Duke University. And it was in the summer and everybody's like taking calculus in seventh grade. These kids, not counting me, these kids were so smart. It was ridiculous. Like they were building computers in their room in their spare Whoa. time. And, and there was actually one kid who was a chess master there. Uh, and I was, I didn't know anything. I was at the bottom of the barrel and, and these kids had 1600 on their SATs already. It was ridiculous. When do you realize you have to fix mindset? And when do you realize that you have an ego? Because like, if I lose a match and I didn't want to look at the match because I don't want to see my mistakes. But the thing is, I didn't realize it was my ego until recently. You know, until you interview Ryan Holiday and oh, I'm like, okay, the reason why I don't want to look at all my mistakes, maybe because of my ego, because I don't want to to look at my failures again, you know? Yeah, no, uh, but I'm not sure why this is the case. Everybody learns more from their failures than from their successes. And when did I realize this? Probably just the other day, um, <laughs> the other day about, about, about being a, a fixed mindset. Because whenever you read a book like that, you think to yourself, well, I clearly have a growth mindset. I'm, I'm the yeah. better category, but I realized why am I getting so disappointed? Like, so I've been trying to, I don't know what it is you know, we watched the Queen's Gambit and right, right. I, I fell back in love with chess and I, and it's not like I just wanted to play. I wanted to, I haven't played in tournaments in 23 years. So I wanted to get back to my normal, not my normal, my old strength or even better. And I wanted to learn something new about this game that I'd been playing for so long. Plus 62 million people watched the Queen's Gambit on all the chess servers. I could see the interest has, has tripled. So I figured, okay, this is interesting. All my friends are playing again. And so I started playing again online and I was playing this new style, this brand new style that I've never played before. And I was losing and I'm like, what the heck is happening? Like, I should be beating this guy. This guy is a nothing. And I Wait, was were you so depressed? Yeah, I was. I I don't say depressed, depressed, but I think I was like feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not so good, or maybe I was, maybe I'm never going to be as good as I used to be, or and and I realized, oh, I'm getting so upset when I lose, and I'm not going over the games because I have a fixed mindset. Like I I think I should be a grandmaster or whatever, but I'm just not like, and so I have to learn. I just, I have to do everything you're supposed to do to learn. Yeah. But that's very important to realize you have the mindset, right? Because like, like, like I said, like before that, like when you read the book, you, you sort of have the, the bias, like, okay, I'm not this, you know, I have the growth mindset, you know, like, yeah. so I feel like it's very, very important to recognize you have the ego and you have that fixed mindset. But like one of the most important things in, in learning, it's also how to recognize you have that fixed mindset. How to like just not sit in there and like, okay, maybe other people are just better than me. You know what I mean? There's almost like a meta mindset to be able to look at your mindset. Yeah. You have to say to yourself, I don't know everything. 
and by the way, that's hard to do. Look at all the people on Twitter and Facebook yeah. who they're like, well, I don't know everything, but I do know blah, blah, blah is the right way to do things or blah, blah, blah right, is the right. wrong way to do things. Like these people have these mindless arguments without facts, just opinion and just right. like, I'm not going to take a blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I think it's hard. And I had to realize, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just... I was getting so frustrated with myself and yet losing is normal, particularly when you're learning new strategies and stuff. It's like when you learn tennis and you, you've been playing tennis one way your whole life and then you finally get a tennis lesson and they say, no, you're holding the tennis racket all wrong. You switch your grip and now you start losing every game. Even though it's the right way to play, you have to get used to it. It's almost like you're playing a new game with a new grip, even though you could say, oh, it's tennis like before and I've got a better grip now. Why am I not playing better? It's because it's, when you play differently, it's all, it's almost as if you're playing just a new game that you have to get better at. But I think it's just really important to have the meta mindset of being able to say to yourself, I, not only do I know, not know everything, I probably don't know anything. <laughs> like I probably, all my opinions are probably wrong. Like, you know, we've talked about it before. You have to invert all your arguments. So if you say, well, well, I'm the best ever. Well, you know, a typical in inversion of, our, of an argument. And and by the way, the, the term invert comes from Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's number two. And, yeah. uh, you know, other people call it steel manning your argument. And the point is you should be able to argue the other side's point just, uh, just as good, if not better than them. So, and this technique really works. Like if people argue with me not so well, I'm able to stop them and say, listen, if you really want to argue with me about I don't know, whatever we're arguing about, like international peace treaties or whatever. And if you really want to argue with me about this, why don't you make this point, this point, this point? Because I'm not quite sure I know the answers to this. And then you could have a real discussion instead of just like your opinion versus their opinion. And, you know, I'm just, I, I, I think with with mindset, the reason I bring this up, this this inversion technique is I keep saying to myself when I'm losing, like this shouldn't happen. I'm right. better than this guy. Well, now how about I invert that argument? Like, why is this happening? Like, okay, maybe I'm learning new strategies. Maybe I haven't taken a lesson in 23 years until now. Maybe um, I haven't really been playing. So, you know, all these people playing now have all these new techniques to, to learn uh, with the computer and everything. So I invert my argument and I see, oh, then, then I probably think I'm just fixed at my ability relative to everyone else maybe I need to grow. And consequently, I'm probably having getting upset or angry or sad or frustrated because I have a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Right. I felt like this, like, I felt like you also apply your principle in learning too. This is, you always, you constantly ask, who are you? Why are you? And why now? Isn't that one of your principle, right? Like you always- Yeah. There's actually a couple of techniques. So maybe this is my favorite learning techniques. So Let's let's say in in chess, who are you? Is some uh, you know I'm someone who had a little bit of talent, and then I took a lot of lessons, and I worked really hard. And there was a one period where I worked super hard for about six months, and I got to a good level. But also, I have a, a let, and I'm just I'm talking about chess specifically, but it applies to writing, applies to podcasting, applies to investing and, and entrepreneurship. This happened to me with entrepreneurship as well. So so who are you? Also, is I'm someone who's continued playing and. I'm proud of it, but I ha I, I've gotten a new interest in it and I'm no longer as good as I once was for many reasons. One is I haven't practiced. The other is I haven't kept up with the latest theory. In every field, like take tennis as an example. If you pick up Arthur Ashe from, I don't know, 1970 and have him play against Pete Sampras or whatever, they're both were number one in the world, but Pete Sampras would destroy Arthur Ashe because coaching techniques have changed in the past 50 years. Even though Arthur Ashe was number one, it's not, you're not comparing apples to apples. Uh, it's just, it's, it's the same thing in everything. In every, uh, you know, the best guitar players now are probably technically better than the best guitar players in 1970 right. because coaching techniques have changed. Learning techniques have, have changed. And it's the same thing is true for investing, for entrepreneurship. There wasn't really a sense of value investing in 1900, people invested in a different way. And now with Warren Buffett, value investing has become people, have, a lot of people have really studied it and refined it and, you know, made it very interesting. But that's who I am is I'm someone who's really interested, but I've got to understand both the goods and the bads. Like it's not who am I, I'm a chess 
this or the best writer ever or whatever. It's like, here's what specifically I learned, how I learned it, what what's probably, you know, you have to take an honest assessment of yourself. The why are you is, well, I got, and, and again, I'm speaking specifically now about chess because it's a good example to study. It's why a lot of scientists study chess in terms of learning and, and prodigy stuff and quick learning and everything. But the why am I Queen's Gambit inspired interest in chess and I can see it might be an interesting way to uh, talk to the audience. Like I used to do these Instagram lives. Now I could do maybe these Twitch, you know, live streaming chess where I'm both doing Q and A and um, people could be challenging me or I could be doing Q and A also not only about, you know, the economy and stocks and investing and various other themes that I've talked about over the years, but I could be doing Q and A about games or chess or learning or com competition, and while, while I'm playing. Yeah, because like this, I felt like playing chess. Also, you can also learn a lot of life lessons from chess, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's metaphors all the time. Like there's sayings in chess all the time. Like for instance, the threat. Here's a big saying: the threat is stronger than the execution. So whenever um, in in chess, when you threaten something, the other side doesn't know all the implications of the threat yet. Like they have to really study it. Whereas it, once you do something, the responses are much easier to do. Like they have to prepare for a threat. So the more things you threaten, the more tension there is in the board, just like Microsoft always used to announce. And then next year we have this new amazing product coming out and people would call it vaporware, but they were threatening basically their competitors that you better not start working on this because we're going to start working on it. So even if they don't do oh, what? what they say, yeah, Microsoft used to be well known for that. Now other companies do it. Like the threat is stronger than the execution. When 50 years ago or a hundred years ago, when a parent wanted to dissuade a child from doing something, they would say, you better not do this or you're going to get, you know, spanked or whatever. So it wasn't the spanking that was the disaster. It was the threat of the spanking that would dissuade the, the kid. Now that doesn't happen. There's, doesn't happen anymore, but yeah, twenty twenty one. It's uh, you know you get a you, you people will call you a you know child abuse or yeah child, yeah you go to jail. Um, yeah, but uh, and I no one should ever do that anyway. It was a bad it was a bad idea when it happened to me when I was a kid. In any case, so 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 then there's the um, why now? Well, right now chess in this case has soared in popularity, and I have a good story with it where I'm trying to reclaim my former ability which is very hard and it's very rare for an older person to do. Well, this is my questions, right? So like, let's say, because right now you're learning so many new, uh, new thing, uh, as in like new, new strategy in chess, like, do you really want to go back to your old strength or do you rather, do you rather to go back to your old strength or do you rather cultivate new techniques and get, get new strength? Well, that's an interesting question because it turns out this entirely new set of openings that I'm playing. So I threw out everything I used to play in chess because I just wasn't really getting good positions anymore with it. And I, and I suspect that people learned the correct, all the correct responses, you know, over the past 30 years since I last, or 23 years since I last played in a tournament. So I've been playing, I've been following this, this one guy and taking lessons from him. And he's a big YouTube chess streamer and, or Twitch chess streamer. And he has this very aggressive style of openings. And I've been learning and learning them, playing them, memorizing them, studying them, asking him questions about them. And I've also been, I have new theories about how to get better very quickly at chess and how to build intuition. So I've been doing, I'm doing a completely different study program than I ever did before. And uh, it makes sense that I would have trouble. It's a different, completely different style even right. than I used to play. It's very open, very attacking there's things happening all over the place. It's like fireworks going off instead of a, a, a smooth, you know, growing symphony or whatever. It's more like fireworks rather than a, a love song. Right. I'm just curious, like, can, will you be able to, like, can you share the, the theory that you have, like how to get quick in chess? I mean, like get quick better intuition? in intuition? Yeah. Because yeah. The intuition is like, for me, like, I think we talked about this before. I don't know if it's on the podcast or we just casually talk about it. It's because intuition and instinct are two very different things, right? No, I don't think they totally are. I think, well, oh yes, technically instinct is biological. Intuition right. is you, you vaguely, you see something and you feel like, hmm, something seems off. Like, let's say, you, you know, you're walking home 
and you realize one of the lights is on in the back of your house, your intuition might say to you, ah, I don't remember ever. Normally I turn off all the lights. Something must be right. off. And so you have an intuition rather than even if you don't know anything and computers have a weird sort of inter intuition because they search trillions or billions of moves. And so they're able to kind of come up with the correct variation in chess and other things because they search so deeply and so quickly, but humans can't do that. So we still search a tree and by a tree, I mean, you know, I have a bunch of possible moves. My opponent has a bunch of possible moves to every move Then I have a bunch of moves to every move of those. And so it builds this thicker and thicker tree, but we search that tree by using intuition. So we look at, we don't need to analyze the worst moves because there our intuition tells us through and our intuition is built from experience. These are obviously the worst, but with chess, I've been kind of, um, thinking of, and this applies to other areas you want to learn as well. I, I have one way of building intuition, which is I have a set of puzzles. Like uh, there might be a chess position and it says white to move and win. And so I have to figure out, well, what's the correct move? And these are sometimes easy and sometimes very difficult. They range in ability and they usually come from famous games. So I'll take a set of a thousand puzzles and I saw somebody write about this, but I basically go through the thousand puzzles and let's say it took me four weeks. Now I'm going to try to go through the exact same puzzles in two weeks, then the exact same puzzles in one week until I get it down to one day. And then I'll do it a different set of puzzles. Now, why the same set and why not right. new ones is because to really quickly recognize, learn to recognize, oh, you know, you're not going to immediately remember all thousand right? It's a, a right. lot of puzzles, but I'll start to recognize not, not that I've seen this position before, but oh, I've seen this theme before. I've seen this idea before, like when these pieces are unprotected and these pieces are over here and the king is under attack, I need to look for this kind of move because I've seen it a couple times before in this exercise. And that starts to build intuition. Right. So, so you're basically just building a library of chess move in yourself so that you can look for the variations that might happen. After right. That. And the key is doing the same set over and over again. You, again, before you memorize uh, all the posi positions and then this exercise is, is different, what you're really going to memorize is the themes and themes are the important thing to recognize when it's not a puzzle, but a real life game. And right. so if I kept doing different puzzles, I might not memorize the themes as well, particularly since in the beginning, you're just trying to solve the problems, but in the end, you're going for speed. So right. you have to solve a thousand problems in a day. See, I mean, okay, so this is a weird question. So it's going to mm -hmm. be very weird. I wonder if you can apply this to a human. Like, I wonder if you can apply this to negotiations in terms of like, okay, this is this is the negotiations during hiring or negotiates for anything, like business yeah. deal or whatever. Absolutely. You might not have like a thousand sets. Although, by the way, right. here's an interesting book idea is create you know, a hundred or 150 negotiating situations and ask the reader to think for a while about, uh, what you would do here. So let's say, you know, you're, you're negotiating for a salary increase with the boss and the boss says, well, tell me why I should give you a promotion or a raise. And so that's the first question. What would you do here? And then the next page is discussion of all the correct and incorrect thing, given what we know and given, you know, our own experiences, the experiences of others, scientific research, and so on, discuss the possible things that could be said. There's no right and wrong answer, but you could have a discussion. And then the next question is the boss could say, well, yeah, it seems right, but you know, um, we're in a hiring freeze right now. And, uh, you know, so we can't give any raises. So how would you respond to that? And the discussion, and then there might be in the next situation is, you know, your wife wants to move to California and you want to move to New York and how do you discuss this? And the, the only correct answer is just do what your wife wants. But, uh, uh, you know, right. that might be a good book, but, but yeah, I think more importantly with negotiating is uh, debriefing. So after a negotiation, go over almost second by second with other people, what happened and what, what possibilities there could have been and what you could have done better. Go over with experienced people. This is why you're the, uh, in part, the reason why you're the average of the five people around you is because those are the people you discuss high stakes situations with, and you want the best possible people to give you feedback. But that's really a question of learning from 
mistakes. So that's the same as, you know, like with stand up comedy, everybody videotapes their sets and then you watch your set afterwards because then you could see second by second. You know, when you're on stage, your you're adrenaline's going, you're, you're in a different state of mind. But afterwards, you could see, oh, that wasn't as funny as I thought it was. Oh, or I thought more people were laughing then. Or, oh, you know what? Maybe I could have done that voice a little bit more extreme if I was doing making up a voice or whatever. And you could start to, that's when you kind of take a game in chess and analyze every move. First, you analyze it yourself. Then you analyze it with a computer. Then you try to study the improvements and the, and the opening a little more. That's a little different. Right. Learning intuition in the way I describe might be good with, you know, learning a musical instrument. So you play the same song over and over again. And first you play it really slow right. and heavy and whatever. And then you just get faster and faster, but only you only move on when you really master it, you know, slowly or calculus. Don't just do a thousand problems, do it again and again and again in the same exact way or chemistry problems or, or physics problems, because that's how you build the intuition. And yes, it's always good to do newer problems, but intuition is the goal, not just solving problems. And the intuition you build by, by doing the same thing over and over and over and learning each time. And you know you're learning each time if you're getting faster. So you really force yourself to memorize the themes because you're never gonna memorize a thousand positions or a thousand calculus problems. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I, loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldicher, would you like to apply to be VP of en entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. 
So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's health care by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use HIMS from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs HIMS. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Do you ever use instinct when you're playing chess? Intuition, yeah. Right now, you're just using purely intuitions. Yeah, but that's why people were able to play blitz chess. So how does anybody play one-minute chess? And sometimes, I mean, one-minute chess games are just as good and valuable as 60-minute chess games. But how you can't calculate any moves in... You have to do basically a move a second. So how are you going to calculate moves in one second? It's very hard. So intuition, games that are like one minute long are, are very much intuition-based. Like, oh, here's what this position is from the Sicilian Dragon opening and the King's Week. And so typically Bishop C4 is played here. Boom, you play it. So other than intuitions, what other things that you, you know, you, you I mean, this, this is curious because like you have lived in, on the planet for so long, right? So like, I'm sure you, you've been through a lot of different... You call me an old man? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, as long as, you know, you're young in heart. You know, yeah, you're, you're, you you're a young person. But I'm just curious, like, I'm sure you have, like, been through, like, a couple thousand of, you know, learning learning method. Like, I'm just curious, like, if there's any learning method that you consistently do that you wouldn't ever change or some new learning techniques that you have figured out recently. Yeah, so, for instance, this intuition one, where if, right. you can, if you can repeat something a lot and then repeat it again and then repeat it again and then repeat it again as fast as possible, that's a good way to build intuition. If you can't have that experience, then having reading a lot of um, books, then rereading them and having a lot of discussion about negotiations that you and your friends have been in and, and going over them and going over them, those are good ways to build intuition too. Again, you want to be able to recognize future patterns or investing. Like when I first started investing, I would make a typical mistake. Like something would look like, oh, this is trading so low through real estate they own is worth more than you could just liquidate the company and sell all the real estate and make money. And I might think that way, but then I might miss some weird cues like, oh, why did the CEO sell these shares on this day? Or why did, why did they miss their earnings report? Uh, you know, you start to see things over and over again that, oh, this is a bad sign. There's a reason why this was trading so cheap. And you, and you learn a lot about yourself through investing and, and fixed mindset versus growth mindset. But okay, so this intuition technique is a new one for me and is very important and is useful in a lot of 
different areas. And again, I'll just repeat it real quickly. Take a big set of complicated problems or situations, solve them, and then solve them again in half the time, solve them again in half the time, and so on. And that's how you build very fast and very powerful intuition. And I can see it's working. At first, it was making me think slower. The first time around, I was solving every problem slowly. So I couldn't use, even though I was changing my way of thinking about chest positions to this newer style, it was slowing me down at first. And I had to start building the actual intuition. Right. I wonder if that's the reason why also a lawyer has to study all the cases, like different old cases, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, And they also have to go over them. The other one, which is always important, which I write about in a bunch of different places, is called plus minus equals. So when I decided, you know what, I want to take this, and it's just a few weeks ago, I said, I want to, as a hobby, I want to take this seriously. And I know plus minus equals is the best way to learn. So here's what it is. Plus, you find yourself a teacher. Equals, you play with people who are similar in skill with you and you go over the games. And minus, you teach. Because if you can't explain something simply, then you don't truly understand it. So plus, I actually got as a coach this international master, Eric Rosen, who does all these YouTube videos about the openings I'm now interested in playing. And so it's been great. I've been right, taking lots of notes because he'll tell me basic things even about chess that I haven't even knew, I didn't know, or I haven't thought about in decades, like just almost obvious stuff. And I write it all down because I don't necessarily know them. See, I'm just curious, like what is it different between you and him that like he thought of that and you never thought about it before and you've been playing for so long? Uh, well, because I've just been playing and not learning. And he's been, ah. he's, I probably was in a phase of learning chess, maybe in total. If I add up all the different times I was taking actual lessons from a coach, I would say it's a two to three year period over the past 30 years. Whereas, Only two to three years? Wow. Yeah. The rest of the time I was just playing and right. uh, like mindlessly online. Like you've seen me play these one minute games online. It's just mindless. And right. This guy plays a lot, but he spent many, many years learning. And so now, again, having a plus, having, and he had coaches, but having right. a coach allows you to kind of shortcut a, a lot because you learn what the coach has learned. And, right, right, right. Um, and then equals, that's when I play, but I always have to make sure I analyze the games afterwards. So I'm trying to be really disciplined and I'm not always successful, but I'm trying to be disciplined about analyzing and memorizing, even taking notes on the games afterwards. And then minus... Uh, I, I called up a person who I used to give lessons to in the nineties, the, you know, Merrick who has been on the podcast a bunch of times and he was the professor who threw me out of grad school <laughs> and I've been giving him and his son lessons. The first lessons I've been giving since the early nineties and it, it helps. Like I've been learning things by, there was one point I was explaining something to them and then it occurred to me, oh, this is so interesting for me also what, what I was learning. Yeah, and also like I've seen you, seen the way you coach them. Like it's not just you're coaching them. You're not. It's not just you telling them what to do. It's actually you discuss with them what to do, and then they 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 give their takes as well, and then you learn from that too, right? Right. Like you have to always when you're teaching, you have to. You can't just lecture. You have to encourage people to think. So they're using. They start using the muscles that they're going to be required to use in a real game. With chess, rather than just say, "Hey, what's the correct move?" Give them a technique for finding the correct move, for analyzing the correct move. That's important also. Uh, so, so okay, so we talked so far plus minus equals. Cool. Yep. We also talked the intuition technique. And um, we also talked about the mindset. Be really honest with yourself. Do you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Yep. With a fixed mindset, when you lose a game, you say to yourself, I suck or I should be better than this. With a growth mindset, you say, hmm, this is the 20th time I've lost a game like this. Like, here's something I noticed. I kept getting in a really good position because of the lessons I've been having and and I've been learning these new openings and all these new traps. I keep getting into this great position and then I would lose. And so what's going on? Like, why are these people beating me after I have a winning position? And I had to really analyze that. But I had to, instead of saying like, I can't believe this. Well, this is what I was saying at first. I can't believe this. I should have won that. Instead, I have to say was, why am I keep losing these winning positions? And that uh, it's a process I'm still going through. Like, yeah, I remember because like sometimes you were supposed to do a podcast. You've just been playing chess, and then like every two three minutes, I'm, you, I will hear you saying that why am I losing this? And the guy is like lower ranked than me, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's and that would be frustrating because but that's very fixed mindset kind of language. And so when you read self help books, there's this tendency 
to say to yourself, well, of course, I've got this. This is for other people. I've got grit and a growth mindset and extreme ownership. And, right. you know, I do 1% extra a day. But you have to be really honest with yourself. Like, are you doing that? And and it's hard to admit, hey, you know what? My entire life I've had, and this is, I just realized like the other day, my entire life on most things, I had a fixed mindset instead of a growth one. Like one time I remember I was going broke. This is like 10 years ago or so. I was thinking to myself, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm a smart guy. Why do I keep going broke? The disappointment in myself was fixed mindset. And the growth mindset would be, okay, I know I can do this. I'm close every time. I make the money. I'm doing something wrong and keeping it. And I had to learn from that. So maybe I got a little bit of a growth mindset in terms of making money after so many years of a fixed mindset. And now the same thing's happening in chess or in comedy, you know, you have to always be growing and not assume you're the best in the world. Even writing, I always have to, sometimes I look back at my old writing that I remember thinking, this is the best thing anybody's ever written ever. And I realized, <laughs> oh my God, this stinks. And I have to get keep getting better. So you were talking about books, right? You were talking about like, you know, all the self-help book and read this, read that. There's one question that I always wanted to ask. You know, sometimes when you read something and then you would just think like something. You know, like you would just copy their mindset or copy their philosophy or copy their… Yeah. How can you read something and not be a copy of that person? You know what I mean? Yes. So for instance, a classic example is someone reads uh, Ernest Hemingway and then they start writing and they're writing very uh, simple sentences, a lot of yeah. one-syllable words. Uh, you know, they kind of have, they try have like a semi Hemingway style right. that that's, or, or let's say comedy, like, let's say I watch Chris Rock right before I go on stage, I might have in my head a little bit of Chris Rock. We're always mimics. We have these mirror neurons, which we look at something and we kind of take up those characteristics that we were looking at. Like if you watch someone climb a ladder, even if you've never climbed a ladder, now you can with the mirror neurons triggering. So, so, so to answer your question, I don't think it's a bad thing to emulate uh, other people who are very successful at what you want to do. Keep doing that. Study the people who are much, much better than you, like significantly better than right. you, and try to copy them. Actually try to plagiarize their styles. Ultimately, then you get good enough and you know enough styles and you've analyzed enough people, then you'll be able to start coming up with your own ideas and your own style. And you'll figure out which styles you're comfortable with, which aren't, and you start leaning into it. And as you develop the language of the skill you're developing, you will be able to speak that language in your own voice. So Bobby Fischer is one of the most famous chess players ever, the first American world champion. And he was known for just disappearing, you know, studying games for years and then coming up with improvements and having his own unique way of playing chess that nobody else played like. And that's how he became great. And the same thing with writing, like the best writers have very unique styles, the best musicians. No one sounds like Led Zeppelin. No one sounds like Pink Floyd. No one sounds like the Rolling Stones or U2. Uh, they, they all have their own unique styles. Right. Well, yeah. So like, so that is, um, I would say like that's on the physical performance stuff, right? What about like ideas and, and mindset? Like, you know, like if you read like Scott Galloway or you read uh, Ryan Holiday or Yuval Harari, right? So how do you read all of them and not just copy their mindset or their, what I call it, the ideology? Like, yeah, I think it's very hard. Like uh, a lot of people, uh, myself included many times, often believe the last person they talk to or the last person they, they read or the last yeah. thing they listen to. So I think that's very hard. I, I think part of it is, you know, chew, consume appropriately. Like if you consume the junk food content, you'll feel like you've consumed junk food content. Right. But I think it's not such a bad thing, particularly if you don't know anything. And if you read a book about communism, you might start to be interested in Marxism, but you study many, many things, study the opposite of things that you study. Like, Again, I'll use chess as an example. In right. chess right now, I'm studying almost the completely opposite style of what I used to do for 30 years. So it's interesting. You 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 start to have your own unique voice when you fully holistically understand the skill set you're trying to understand. So in comedy, they say you're not a real comedian until you kind of find your true voice on stage. And you could see when like Louis C.K. in the OOs, he was already a great comedian. He was this very absurdist, funny comedian. But when he started talking about his personal life, he went, oh, that's what tipped him over and, and, and he became 
huge. So he started to develop his own unique style that other people now started to emulate. And seeing those tipping points and studying them and then doing them, I don't think that's a bad thing. But you just have uh, to, but don't just stop. You have to keep going and study other people and study the opposite. So if you study Louis C.K., maybe next study, you know, Stephen Wright, who is just one-liners. And maybe next study Dave Chappelle, who is more, uh, you know, they just have different styles. You know, it's hard to describe. Right. So that means that, so, so what you're saying that don't just study one type of thing. Like, like, so, because, well, the, the thing, the, the reason, the other reason I brought this up is that also like right now in media is just people just believe one side rather than listen to the other side. You know what I mean? So they only have only one ideology. Most people like they are, sometimes they are pretty extreme. Yeah. And so I think it's really important. Like, let's say, you know, all you do is watch MSNBC or all you do is watch Fox, you might be in an echo chamber. So it's really important to, to ask yourself, well, if I were to like Trump or if I were to like Biden, here's what I would like. And you have to be able to answer those questions instead of being criticized for it. Uh, like I, I remember when, um, you know, people tried to look at a balanced view of the candidates and sometimes they would get torn apart or insulted because, hey, you can't, it's, it, do that. You can't, there's nothing good about this guy or there's nothing good about that guy. Invert your argument again. You always have to invert your argument. Don't assume you know everything. Yeah. And also, the, also, the other thing is also hard to recognize, are you or are you not in the echo chamber? Because like if you're in the echo chamber, you might not know you're in the echo chamber because of the bias. Yeah. And so you can just look at like, do almost like an audit of all the content you consume. So did I just look at, you know, since we know everything is biased, and there are websites that rank the bias of different media sources. Since you know everything and everybody has some bias, um, just go down and make sure you're reading things from both sides and reading sincerely and not just insulting them. You know, not just thinking to your mind, like, well, that's stupid what that person's saying. Like, really read with an open mind. That's actually pretty interesting because you can actually, uh, I mean, it, you can actually apply that to what you learn too. Like, you know, like when you, let's say if you're learning chess, you can also like look through all the lessons or all the books that you've been reading. Do you just read one type of learning? No, and I think that, I think that was my mistake was that I only learned one style of play instead of right. learning a more full circle style of play. And so that's what I'm going through now. But the other thing to do is in, in chess, when you think you should have won, one exercise is to try winning for the other side. Even when you win, analyze the game and try winning for the other side. Like right, almost right, play right, the right. game with a friend or a computer and try winning for the other side against your amazing moves that you made. Interesting. Well, so, 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 so that means you're trying to beat yourself, yeah. right? It's almost like you're inverting the argument. Like, right, 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 like right. so in a negotiation, instead of just thinking, man, I negotiated for that raise, so great. Ask yourself, okay, if my, if I was my boss, what would I have done? Now it's not. It might be you realize, oh, he wanted me to fight for it a little, but he ultimately wanted to give me a raise. He just wanted me to justify it so he could justify it for, to his boss. Or, or you know, so you start to think of what's the other person's agenda. When you look at both sides, you learn double than just learning single about the same situation. That's actually really interesting because I never, like every time I play any games, any type of games, I never thought about playing against myself. Because if you play against yourself, you can also figure out your weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, one thing to do when writing or even analyzing a, a good movie or a good writing is ask yourself, what does each character want? So at right. any given point, a character is either a cartoonish character, which who, who, who is poorly written, or the character wants something and wants something important and is taking actions to get the thing he or she wants. And so it's the same thing. You can imagine almost like you're playing against your own characters. Like you're writing a story, have them push back. What do they want? So um, right. even when writing a nonfiction article, uh, you have to kind of uh, uh, assume the reader has a bunch of arguments. If you're giving an opinion and you're trying to prove it, you have to assume here's what the reader's arguments are going to be. You can't ignore them. You have to answer the objections up front. All right. Okay. This is a very funny question. Have you like, so, so I assume you, you always debate yourself, right? Do you uh, always debate yourself or at least most of the time? 
I try to, but I don't know if I succeed in doing it. Yeah, see, there's a question. It's like, will you like have you ever have a time that like you try to debate yourself? You have one ideology, and then you debate yourself, and all of a sudden you just like, oh, I think the other side is the right one, and then you just switch your your argument. Yeah, that's happened to me all the time. Really? Yeah. Do you feel good, or do you just like, ah, oh, man, I should just let that go, or something like that? Because like it, it also it's com- not, all it, comes it, down it, to ego too. Yeah, it's not so much that I will completely disagree with my old style thinking. Is that I I will be able to say to myself, okay, I can see the other side. I mean, if it's something that has to do with facts and I'm just wrong, then I'm wrong. Yeah. But if it's something that's like, like, like that, that's an opinion. You know, like for instance, um, you know, climate change. Some people think there's no man-made climate change, and other people think there is man-made climate change. And some people think we have a hundred years before we have to worry about it, and some people think we have three years before we have to, or it's too late and we can't worry about it. So if I think one way, I should really try to say to myself, okay, well, I can understand why people think the other way instead of just assuming they're, they're, they're stupid or which is right. how all, all, usually these arguments are just like people discuss things two or three times back and forth. And then one person says, well, you're just an idiot. And that's the end of it. It's useful to think, particularly on these things we don't really know. There's yeah. no way to really prove a hundred percent the answers. Certain questions about ethics are gray areas. Certain questions about, you know, I always write articles on you should never buy a house. Well, right. could it be the case that in some situations I'm wrong? And yeah, in some situations I'm wrong. And I have to, and I'm glad I'm not blindly trying to defend. I, you know, I state a point, even New York City is dead. Uh, I state a point and, and make an argument, but I have to hear the other side and I have to invert my argument. I have to challenge myself and say, well, what would it take for me to be wrong about this? And right. I have to I have to answer those questions. And that's a, an important exercise when learning. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because like, it's so hard to like admit to yourself you're wrong because of the ego. You know, yeah. let's go back to the ego thing, you know, like it's, yeah, because, but the thing is like with you, I have seen a couple of times actually that you admitted like, okay, yeah, I could be wrong. And then you, you, you're like, okay, yeah, you're right. I, well, I well, saw that happen before. Well, yeah, for instance, when I was, this is a very political one. When I was talking to Andrew Yang on the podcast, right. I had questions which I had written about why I thought he was wrong. In his book, The War Against Normal, he makes the argument for universal basic income. And I had some questions for him, which I wrote in an article, and I was able to finally ask him on the podcast. And he had very reasonable responses, of course, because he's thought about all these things more than I have. And I learned from it rather than just saying, well, we'll see, you know, (laughs) uh, we agree to disagree, I guess. Like, I hate when someone says that to me, we agree to disagree as if like, uh, you know, I'm an idiot and right. you're just going to disagree or I'm just going to disagree no matter what. I feel but, like that's just a, just, just a fancy way of calling other people idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like with all due respect, yeah, or all due like respect. it's almost like, well, I, 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 not to be offensive, you know, like that, that when they say that, you know, like, you know, they're going to always going to be often, often they're, they're always going to be offending you. Well, yeah. so like, so, so to summarize this, like, so the, a good way to learn, first of all, you have to recognize your mindset. Yeah. You have to have a meta mindset, which right. is to recognize if you have a fixed or growth mindset and it's always useful. Ultimately a growth mindset boils down to, I guess, three things. There's no should. Like, it's not like you should be good or should be bad. There's, you know, only did you work hard and did you work correctly? Not only did you just play a lot or read a lot, but did you think about it, take notes, study, you know, in some organized, structured way. And when you lose, don't be disappointed. Here's an opportunity to analyze your game and learn. So that's the growth mindset. So it's important to have that. Then I talked about developing intuition through repetition and, and then repeating. So doing lots of some simple thing and then repeating it to build the categories. The third is the plus minus equal. So have a coach, have equals that you play, have minus. So because that's someone you teach. So if you can't learn something unless you can explain it simply and, you know, always keep a notebook of what you've learned through all these things. Then we talked about emulating people who are better than you. And I think this is very powerful. I actually write about this and skip the line a little bit, but, uh, coming out February 23rd, but also Todd Herman discusses this. Remember his book on being a hero is like you emulate the heroes. And he says, every athlete does this where they kind of picture who they want to emulate. 
I mean, those are the main learning techniques. And I talk about some other ones. Right, in, like uh, playing, you know, playing yourself, you know, trying to like argue. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, the steel man technique is a good way to learn double what you would have learned. And right. not only that, you'll win more arguments and debates against anybody. So that's a, a useful technique. Yeah, and also play against yourself. Like almost kind of invert the argument on the board. Then another thing is break apart the micro skills and decide which micro skills you're going to learn. Because as we've talked about before, there's no such skill as being an entrepreneur, for instance. There's coming up with ideas, there's executing them, there's managing people, there's sales, there's marketing. So what micro skills are you going to learn? In, in chess, there's openings, there's tactics, there's positional play, there's end game play. What micro skills are the most important that you, that you need to learn? And you should try to learn really good. At least you always want to be a double threat rather than a single threat. So in comedy, someone who tells jokes and is a good comedian is a single threat. But remember when we had on um, Chris with a T. Chris Turner. Chris Turner, yeah. So Chris Turner is a double threat because he's a uh, he's only 27 years old, but he performs wherever he wants, which is very rare for comedians. And right. the issue is, is because he's a double threat because he does comedy and rap. And this is a huge skip the line type of technique. Right. Or if, um, you know, if everybody, if, if you're a good student and you want to get into Harvard, you probably won't. But if you Google Aurora Strauss, who, uh, who goes to Harvard, uh, she was a double threat. Not only was she a good student, but she was also a professional race car driver. So uh, double threats succeed a lot faster than single threats. Right. Triple threats, by the way, I don't know, because maybe people think you're a dilettante and do too many things. <laughs> Being a double threat is a, is a great thing. Like if you're right. a hedge fund manager and also a stand-up comedian, that's kind of an interesting little twist that makes you stand out uh, when people are deciding, you know, where to invest. For instance, I'm assuming. Yeah. So if you're a hedge fund manager and a comedian, don't be a podcaster. Yeah, don't be a true. Unfortunately, I'm like a quintuple <laughs> threat, which means I'm nothing. <laughs> so I'm useless. Yeah. But uh, so 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 keeping that in mind, if, in any career, like I remember even in computer science when I was trying to figure out what to study. You know, you could learn all the techniques of, this is why it's important to understand not only the skills, but the domain, as we talked about last week. Right. But you, it, it, let's say I want to study something in computer science. What if I take these techniques from, uh, you know, genomics and how they study DNA and how, you know, DNA programs the human body? Maybe there's an interesting way to implement that in parallel processing. Uh, and now, and then you have a new, whole new theory about how to create a parallel processing computer. So that's becoming a, you know, a, a double threat instead of a single threat. Right, right, right. And also, if I if I would add one thing, it's also like review what you have learned or what you have read. For I, I think you should do that every week, so you know you are learning different things rather than just one single tree. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean? that, that's why, like during my lesson, I'll even write down the most basic stuff because you know there'll be things that. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Just some subtle thing. And then I'll think to myself, I'll remember it. But you, you never really remember things. You right. got you to gotta write them down and look at them later, which is why you got to videotape your comedy sets. It's why you've got to debrief after a negotiation. My business partner and I, uh, uh, at almost 90% of our conversation is not about you know, investing or money or business. It's about the psychology of all the people we're dealing with. You would think we're two therapists comparing notes about patients because um, we're it's 90% psychology when we debrief on these conversations and stuff. So right. that's an important technique. Um, so I don't know how many techniques we, we gave here and I, I, I give a lot more. Eight, yeah. I give a lot more and skip the line. But uh, I would say also... Uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Though plus minus equals the intuition technique, the inverting technique, inverting, yep. asking who you are, why you are you, why now is important. Just so you understand all your motives, uh, not assuming you're you're right. Like being being very deferential to all the you're viewing everything as a learning experience and being very right. deferential to to those experiences and breaking apart the micro skills. So for me. There's many micro skills in chess, and I decided to focus on tactics, which are puzzles, and a little bit on openings. More important is the tactics, and but I'm I'm trying to be a, a double threat. It's interesting how how I felt like all, all all the all the technique that you just you just um mentions can also apply in negotiations, and I felt like that's that's going to oh. be very powerful to anyone. 
Yeah, all these could apply in investing, in entrepreneurship. I've done all these things in in all of these categories. And really the 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 point which unlocks you is what we started with, which is realizing, oh, wow, I didn't realize this, but I have a fixed mindset. I need yep. to switch to growth. Even with writing, when I went from writing about financial stuff to writing about more personal stuff, the personal stuff was me being kind of a mess. And uh, I had to be fine, not only admitting that to myself, but but writing about it and talking about it. And then my writing took a whole new level. So I not only was able to write about various subjects very uh, accurately, but I was also able to write about real personal vulnerable stuff, hence a double threat. Right. And even when sometimes when people trash themselves, sometimes they do, I could see the ego in it where they're not truly trashing themselves or not truly being vulnerable. <laughs> They're, they're, they're being like fake vulnerable where, right. you know, at the end they're going to be like, and now, you know, I was a 98 pound weakling and now I'm six, you know, now I've got all muscles and I'm jacked and ripped and whatever. That's um, a fancy way of saying humble bragging. Yeah, exactly. So stick to these techniques. I have, I have others, which we'll talk about. We'll do, we'll do at some point a skip the line podcast or a couple of podcasts about the topics there. But, uh, I would actually really appreciate if, if people, wanted to read more. It helps me out a lot. If you, if, if you plan on buying, skip the line, pre-order it right now. Um, send me the receipt that you've pre-ordered it and I'd be willing, we'll figure out how to do this, but I'll be willing to, to sign any book that's pre-ordered. Uh, you could do it from bn.com, which is barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com, but the book's coming out February 23rd. This wasn't a podcast about the book, but it overlaps some ideas from the book. And right. um, i trying to think if there's any other just really easy learning techniques that I'm, I'm missing here. Well, repetitions, you already mentioned repetitions. I felt like repetition is very powerful because the more you do, the better you get. Yeah, particularly if you then study it with a plus. So, and the plus could be a computer or, you know, you could just, you know, or a coach, but also if you just really analyze, like if I lose a game, it's really important. Or if I lose, or if I suck at comedy some night, it's really important to not just say, oh, well, the audience was bad or my opponent got lucky. Right. You, you have to take, as Jocko Willink would put it, you have to take extreme ownership. Like everything that happens is your fault. Right. I have these two things. I don't know if you would uh, agree with me. That's, I, that's lucky, but I don't think that's, that's real luck, luck. Because like, I remember there's a movie or there's a movie back in that I watched before. Uh, they say, you know, the, the more practice you have, the luckier you get. Yeah. I mean, in, and I'll, Chess is a lot of great sayings that apply to everything else in life. Uh, it, 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 there's a saying, it always seems that the good players are lucky. So whenever, sometimes when, when you win or you lose, some, the other person says, oh, you just got lucky. Well, it always seems to be the case that the better player was the luckier one. And, you know, you get to be a better player by working hard and studying and studying more than the other people. So it's never, whenever you self thinking like, oh, I just had bad luck, you got to take extreme ownership of it because it's always the better Player, the more prepared that that is more lucky like that. Yeah, and also the other thing, I, I, this is more in a game type of situation is if your opponent made a mistake and you won, then just brag about that your opponent make mistakes. Yeah, you have to look at from their side too. Like, yeah. man, I was going to lose that, but I, I got lucky. Uh, and you have to acknowledge that you're, so you could have luck when you win um, because that inspires you to take a more serious look like, oh my gosh, I would have lost. I better learn this technique a little yeah. better. And also it's a skill to recognize your opponent is making mistakes too. Yeah, that is a real skill to understand and not only that, to how to exploit the mistakes. So, yeah. but that's what intuition gets you. So yep. um, that's why like in a negotiation, if the boss says certain things and you have an intuition about what those things mean, you could take advantage of that. Or in chess, if someone makes what seems it's always what seems like a really small mistake that turns out to be 30 moves later the the i remember i used to take lessons um from this grandmaster john fedorowicz in 1997 and he would just kind of look at a position and he's like ah i don't know that doesn't feel right and then it'll turn out he won't be able to explain why though and it'll turn out 20 moves later that that's the entire reason i lost was that one little move and that's why it's good going all over those problems because you realize oh, it's not that these just problems randomly happen, these chess puzzles randomly happen, is that the opponent made some weakness 
20 moves earlier and you start to get intuition about recognizing when those weaknesses happen so that later you can you can build up your position so that you finally have the chance to exploit them the same thing happens in negotiation by the way the same things happens with entrepreneurship like right now we're building some software in an industry because the main software being built we recognized had an important weakness and we recognized that because we were domain experts we had skills but we also knew the domain really well and what people are missing in the domain and so we're able to to take advantage of that and so recognizing mistakes in an industry or in an in a game in an investing style or boy i don't really know this about physics so i should learn this you know recognizing your own mistakes when whenever you argue a uh, physics theory or whatever right so those are some learning techniques but they're useful for me and and this is happening in real time because the reason i kept bringing up chess not only is it because it's the thing that i'm studying right now but it's also a very classic way of measuring there's a very classic way of measuring progress based on statistics and scientists for decades have used chess as a benchmark even for artificial intelligence or for learning techniques and so on so it's a great way for me to actually experiment very directly using the learning techniques uh, the skip the line techniques not just learning but the skip the line techniques that i've written about for so many years uh and, and i could call them choose yourself techniques whatever it's important to for me every now and then to not, to not just have a fixed mindset and say yeah these things work this is how you learn but to constantly apply them to myself in in different domains and so i decided as soon as i decided oh i'm going to try to get better at chess i put into place all the techniques that I've been writing about and I'm using them now and and it's working by the way. So Yeah. That's great. Thanks for teaching me how to learn. Yeah, and thanks for having me on your podcast, Jay. <laughs> well, welcome to the Jay show. No, it's a, this is a, this is another episode of my favorites and these are some of my favorite learning techniques, particularly ones that I'm using right now in both entrepreneurship, negotiating, persuasion, chess, writing, podcasting. When you're a threat to everyone, you're a threat to no one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right. Thank you, James. Thank you. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.